I really tend to focus like a lot of my meetings, which fortunately a lot of them are over Zoom now or Teams. Um, I tend to focus those sort of late morning, early afternoon uh, before I have lunch. And I'd say later in the day, evening is when I can get a lot of my creative work done. Um, when, you know, maybe it's a little quieter and there's not so much noise coming through and text message and email. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess if your team's in Europe, it's similar because their morning or your morning is their evening. So oh yeah, I think, I think that's Martin. Uh, I, I laughed at the after lunch thing because, you know, as you know, here in Miami, if you eat some Cuban food, you're going to want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And I lived in Spain for a year in college and definitely that siesta was a there's something to be said about the value of a siesta when you can sneak one in. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to the WiseNetics podcast. My name is Daryl. I'll be your host today. And today I've got Chris Bongars, the founder of EveryPick, here with me. Chris, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Daryl. Hey, no problem. Happy to have you here, especially uh, since... Uh, kind of live in Miami like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not too often to um, Florida guys get to talk pigs, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, outside of like pork belly or like noche buena, it doesn't happen where there's a, you know, pork getting roasted. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself real fast, Chris. Um, well, as you mentioned, you know, I, I live in Florida still um, most of the year, part of the year. Um, grew up in Northwest Iowa, which is how I eventually got into um, pork production. My dad is a veterinarian who started a mixed animal practice in, in Orange City, Iowa, um, who later got into owning pigs with some of his customers. Um, and then eventually, after college, uh, about a year and a half out of college, I joined him as a first employee in, in that family business and spent 10 years buying pigs off the spot market. Um, from all over the U.S. and Canada, which is pretty, pretty interesting, fun times. And um, also just focus on business development, finding new farms for us to contract with growers and um, really focusing on expanding the family operation. Awesome. That's, that's really cool. So you jumped into the family business and grew that. Um, how'd that kind of lead you to every pig, actually? Yeah. So really at the time, um, my dad's always been an entrepreneur and he was in the pork production business wearing all the hats. And it was really kind of a business model um, more than a business at the time that um, he was going into the spot market at the time buying feeder pigs. So 40 to 60 pound pigs, um, placing them in contract farms, um, negotiating terms with packers and elevators and um you know, there was a lot of margin in it at that time. And I saw that and I said, dad, you know, there, there's money to be more money to be made here. Let me help you out and let me grow the business. I was young enough and energetic and probably naive enough to just kind of jump in. And um, we had a lot of success in growing the business, um, scaling from, you know, maybe 30 farms when I started to about 350 um, by the time I started every pig. And, you know, the process was really cool of growing a business. And at a certain point, you realize like, whoa, what are we doing? We're a little out of control. We need to get a bit more efficient. And I think tough times in the in the economy will show you that. You know, it's not just always about volume. And we started looking at areas we were losing money or maybe not doing great as a company. And we realized that we just weren't recognizing and responding to the big health challenges from the farm um, in a time efficient manner. And a lot of times 
we weren't collecting the information quick enough or sometimes we just weren't responding fast enough. And so um, that's when I started with every pig really by um, digitizing that daily checkup that caregivers are typically filling out on pieces of paper um, so we could have real-time access to it and respond in time to save pig lives. That's pretty cool. So, so it's, it sounds like you found, like a, when I talked about scaling a business and, and stuff like that, and we find the inefficiencies, especially when you get to like a certain point, there's like a chaos level, right? So you find yeah. that drift, um, you found that little opening there. So basically it's like speed of data to, to keep the pigs healthy and going. So you're not losing that, that cash in the animal. Yeah, we had some really unique challenges too, because um, in the family business, we didn't own any sow units. So I was buying pigs from a couple hundred different sow units every year, and they all have their own unique health statuses and challenges, um, which really you know can put some strain on the veterinarians and the production managers and the caregivers. And also, you know, raising pigs in Northwest Iowa comes with some challenges as well, just based on pig density. There are so many pigs up there that diseases spread really fast. And so response time um, just really is a priority. And I, I saw a big area of opportunity there. And, and that was a big contributing factor to starting every pig. Awesome. Well, that's a, that's a cool little story. Cool little story from, from family into every pig. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I won't ask you what your dad thinks you do because you work together. Um, but a little bit about the marketing side. You know, how does every pig right now use digital media to, uh, to build relationships with its audience? You know, by no means am I a marketing expert, probably not an expert at too many things, more of a generalist in, in a lot of areas. Um, and I think especially, you know, coming from a pork production background, we did marketing for us was a packer negotiation. That, that was what we can selling pigs to a packer, commodity animals to a packer. So um, I'm still learning a lot about marketing. And one thing I've learned since starting every pig is you can create a product, but if the right people don't know about it with the right messaging, um, it might sit there on the shelf. So uh, full disclosure, I'm still learning a lot here uh, on the marketing side. I can tell you, um, you know, having a good website helps having a funnel built into that website where they can click through, they can request a demo, you can um, put them on your mailing list, keep people updated with new features. Um, things like that has been pretty important. Companies like your own, you know, we partnered with Swinet in the past to get the message out. Um, that's always helpful. More and more people are coming online and listening to, to things like this. Um, also, LinkedIn has been a pretty valuable tool, especially for just expanding that peer network. Um, I see more and more people in our industry spending time there, sharing knowledge and connecting. Um, and lastly, I would say, you know, in the last few months, we started investing a little more in SEO for search engine optimization. Um, basically, just making sure that if people are looking for any software um, for their pork production operation, that they can find you a little bit easier. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I also have noticed that LinkedIn, at least the past six months, I've seen quite a lot of people kind of really turn towards it and lean into it. Um, and maybe that's just the state of <clears throat> the industry as a whole now. And I'm also seeing a lot more technology enter into ag in general. Um, so that's a really cool thing to see since I'm a kind of a tech guy and I like data. So uh, you mentioned some challenges when you, you started every pig and, and why you started it. But what's something that is a challenge right now for you guys? And, and really, how are you tackling it? Um. 
Well, we've got we've got more than one. You know, I think the big thing that pops up is just the resistance to change in the industry is something extreme. People are very afraid of change. And I think a lot of companies haven't necessarily created a culture where employees, team members are feeling like they could bring up a new idea. Um, it's kind of like if it's don't broke, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And, you know, I challenge the industry to say, like, is it really not broke? Because I think there are some problems like wean to finish mortality that continues to get worse in the United States every year. And the data collection processes for that really aren't changed, haven't changed much for most companies in 10 or 20 years. You know, we still see major integrators that are seven to 30 days behind on knowing what pigs died where. If you're 30 days behind on mortality issues, I can tell you there are other companies kicking your butt because the best companies in the industry, the top one, two percent now recognize not only mortalities in real time, they're looking at symptomatic data in real time. So there's a big conversion happening right now from helping the industry become proactive versus reactive. And um, every pig's really excited to be at the forefront, kind of leading the charge there. Uh, but uh, overcoming resistance to change and old habits uh, hasn't been easy. So we're really working on kind of honing our message, really listening to our customer and prospective customer base. And we do see the tides turning a little bit right now, uh, but nothing happens other than maybe weather changes and market changes. You know, process changes don't happen real fast in the industry. So we're here to try help people um, move forward faster when they're ready. That's awesome. Yeah, it, yeah. Just based on that, it sounds like, you know, a big piece of what every pig did. And, and you mentioned it in the beginning too, when we, we were talking is that, that that instant data, whether it be symptomatic from an illness or, you know, for me, you know, if, like I grow vegetables during the summer, I get really mad and I know when one's dying and I like go all over the internet trying to find something to fix that. Um, so every pig really helps bringing that data right away so that, Hey, instead of that cough becoming a pneumonia for, you know, like us, um, it's just a cough and it goes away and everyone's happy. Yeah. You, you know, you, you brought up an emotion there, right? You said you, you got mad. And I think sometimes it's that emotion, um, that really can cause the change or trigger an actual change. And that's really what led me to starting every pig. It was not only, you know, when too many pigs are dying, you're losing money as the pig owner, but also it doesn't feel good. We're stewards of these animals, right? We have a, a responsibility to take the best care of these animals as possible. And um, I think, you know, being able to recognize things happening immediately is a big key to improving the health and improving your bottom line. Yeah. I love that. And you said one thing that really jives with me is like, we're stewards of these animals, right? So I, before I ever went into sales or into business or anything like that, I was a chef and I did fine dining. And there was a chef that I worked for who was very much about um, <clears throat> honor the animal, right? When you're cooking it, this animal died so that we could eat it and somebody could enjoy it or something like that. So I feel even in what we do now in ag is that's so important because at the end of the day, it's a life, whether it's an animal, it's a plant, it's my dog at home. 
I should do everything I can to make sure it's okay, especially if at the end of the day, this animal is going to give its life up to nourish somebody. So long range high five on that one, man. Uh, <clears throat> so kind of, and I know I don't normally ask this too much, but did you always want to start your own company or did you always kind of see yourself kind of in the family business? I, yeah, I never saw myself. There wasn't really a family business when I was growing up. You know, there was a, there was a veterinary clinic that my dad started and had some partners in. Um, and, you know, growing up in, in the nineties in Northwest Iowa, having another child meant you got another employee. Um, so, you know, I, I, which now I look back on and it was a real advantage for me, I think, um, with the way I was raised, but I was raised, you know, doing numerous different jobs um, trying to help my dad, whether it was, you know, going out and vaccinating pigs or cattle, um, to, you know, helping to mix medications sometimes or putting labels on medications back in the day. Um, there were a lot of different jobs in that business, but I think I always saw, I had that kind of example for me of an entrepreneur. And that was always something that I, I had inside of me first business I remember starting with CNM lawn care. It's for Chris and Mark, my friend Mark. And, you know, we started a lawn care business where our parents incentivized us by paying all the costs, right? They paid for the mower, they paid for the gas. They just said, you kids get out there and mow the lawns, right? So maybe it was a little bit unrealistic in that we were, we were pretty subsidized, but it taught us, you know, a valuable lesson to get out there and start a business and try something and do the work. So um, I think, you know, being an entrepreneur was always sort of kind of in my blood and um, around, you know, what, what I saw for examples around me. Um, but no, I didn't ever think that I would probably, uh, be necessarily involved in pork production. Um, I think on the innovation side, you know, every pig's probably a little more closer to what I thought I'd get involved in, even though I'm not a quote unquote tech person. Um, the nice thing about the direction technology is going in now is like, you can be a non-technical founder and get more and more done than ever before. So, Probably a long-winded answer to that question, but um, yeah, ex excited to be um, you know working in a field that I have some experience in. And um, if I don't know the quite like the answer to a question, I'm fortunate enough to have you know a number of people I can ping really quickly and I can get an answer and and um, really bring in that domain knowledge that's needed to create a usable um, product for the industry. That's awesome. I, I love the subsidized uh, mowing lawn care company, by the way. Uh, I did something similar. I didn't do lawn care because it's, as you know, hot here in Florida. Hot, yeah, yeah. Hot here in Florida. Um, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> I would have my mom buy a bunch of soda, and the school that I went to did not allow soda. So my locker became the de facto contraband come buy soda, and I made a killing uh, because <laughs> I charged way more than I should have, and people bought it. So <laughs> um, it sounds like a good hustle. It was a great hustle until it wasn't, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, for me, I get a lot of my best work done in the morning, <clears throat> like early morning, because I wake up really early. My dad was a doctor. He wake up early. And so I kind of got that for myself. And unfortunately, even when I'm off, I still wake up early. So that's just where I do stuff. Do you have a time where you get a lot of your stuff done or is it just kind of all over when you get your best work done? Yeah, interesting question. So I'm more of a night owl for sure. Um, since starting Every Pig, our development team is in Europe. So they're ahead of us. So kind of the first two, three hours of my day usually 
is really focused on if there are any fires, you know, putting some fires out, answering emails, and making sure um, I'm on the same page with the dev team. If there's anything that needs to be answered immediately. Uh, so that's kind of how my day typically starts now. Uh, I really tend to focus like a lot of my meetings, which fortunately a lot of them are over Zoom now or Teams. Um, I tend to focus those sort of late morning, early afternoon uh, before I have lunch. And I'd say later in the day, evening is when I can get a lot of my creative work done. Um, when, you know, maybe it's a little quieter and there's not so much noise coming through and text message and email. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess if your team's in Europe, it's similar because their morning or your morning is their evening. So oh, yeah. I think, think that's Martin. Uh, I, I laughed at the after lunch thing because, you know, as you know, here in Miami, if you eat some Cuban food, you're going to want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I lived in Spain for a year in college and definitely that siesta was a, there's something to be said about the value of a siesta when you can sneak one in. Um, it's magical. But yeah, the, the, those, those um, Cuban coffees afterwards can help you get back on track pretty quick. Oh, they can. They can. Thank God for culottes. We'll just, we'll just leave that there. But uh, kind of wrapping up here a little bit, Chris, um, and I'm a big fan of these because I ingest a lot of either business books or, or marketing books. I feel like learning all the time is a really important thing. But what's maybe one podcast or resource that you'd like to recommend? Yeah, it's not so much business that I would think about for this audience, especially. I, I really admire a lot about what Torque and Sawyer, Sawyer Whistler are doing. They've got a podcast called This Will Do Farm, and it's incredibly entertaining. They are pig and uh, crop farmers in Iowa. And I think Torque was a former field manager, maybe at Eichelberger Farms. Um, so they've got a lot of experience in pork production from a number of different angles. And they're a father-son duo. And the dynamic is really cool to see between those two. And I think, you know, they're really open in sharing what they do on the day-to-day -day and, and their personality comes out in it. So um, I would definitely recommend for people in, in and around the industry, this will do farm podcasts. It, it's a great one. Awesome. I even just pulled it up here on YouTube um, and it looks like they've got some pretty cool videos with quite a lot of views for what I would A ton of views. A ton of views. They might have they might have a couple of videos that are over a half a million views or, or close to, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I think they're probably leaders in our space in that area. Yeah. Awesome. And it looks like pretty good production. Definitely modern YouTube faces there on the thumbnails. <laughs> with yep. the like they're, they're good. They're good. They know what they're doing. Awesome. I'm going to check that out, actually, but uh, great suggestion there. Uh, <clears throat> I'll kind of wrap it up with this before asking where everybody can find you. But if you could be remembered for one thing, Chris, what would it be? I think I'd like to be remembered for leaving a positive impact on the industry and people around me. So part of that's professional, part of that's personal. Um, but what I'm really driven by at this point in life is improving the industry that's given so much to me and my family and trying to work from the inside out and help improve it as much as possible. That's awesome. And you know what's funny? Every time I ask that question, I get a very similar, leave a good impact on it for what it's given to me and, and give back. So I love when I hear that because 
it's such a cool industry to be in when everyone kind of feels the same way. And it's all about let's do the best for everybody. Um, yeah. And I think, it, you know, a unique thing about the industry also is there's a lot of room for improvement. You know, agriculture uh, is the least digitized industry in the world, according to a number of studies. And so, you know, that's both a, a challenge and an opportunity. The opportunity is, man, there, there's not a lot going on in terms of innovation in the space compared to other sectors and industries. Um, so I think there's just a lot of a lot of room for improvement still, um, where maybe in other industries are just a little further along in that process. And, and there's maybe a little more competition in the area, but we certainly have room for improvement. Yeah, I think that probably has to do, especially with the, the resistance to change we mentioned earlier, because we encounter that as well, where no one's going to listen to these podcasts. Well, they listen. <laughs> yeah, I think more and more, and, and um, hopefully it's not too much of a sidetrack, but I think another challenge for innovation in the industry really is a lot of the pork producers, if you're still in the business at this point in 2023, you're a survivor. You are a survivor. Most producers are having a really tough year. So these people and companies are used to really tough times and they're used to survival mode. They're used to high volatility when it comes to markets. And when you're in survival mode, it makes it really tough to think two, three steps down the road. So that's a challenge we face. We see top producers kind of getting over that hump and realizing, hey, you know, if we want to address the rural veterinary shortage, maybe we embrace some new processes. If we're having a hard time hiring people, maybe there's an app that we could use that would make us not need two or three of these new hires and help us do a better job with the team members we have. So I think pressure creates diamonds, and um, we're really going through that in hyper mode right now in the pork production industry. For sure. And I couldn't agree with that more. Pressure, you know, when you come out of survivor, you're, and if you stay stuck in survivor mode, you're right. You're playing checkers, and you need to start playing Ford HS and uh, yep. take those steps forward. So, uh, Chris, rounding it out here, where can anybody find you online right now? Well, I think if you're interested in, in checking out our digital solution, go to www.everypig.com. Um, you can email me, chris at everypig.com as well, um, or find us on LinkedIn, both Every Pig and myself. Um, I've got a personal profile there, so always happy to connect. Awesome. Well, Chris, awesome having you on here and learning about you and, and really about Every Pig. Um, your insights are really incredible, and I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for the time, Daryl. It's been fun. Likewise. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wisemetics, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.